Hello. I'm Holly. I'm Amy. And this is Mug Dignity. We're back. Yeah. We didn't really go anywhere. We just, to be fair, I want to be like, yeah, we took some time off. We had a break, but I feel like I haven't had a break from anything in like three weeks. No, we've just been overwhelmed with uni and life stuff. Hmm. Yeah, very much so. I feel like I should be more sorry. Yeah. yeah we're back. We've got some good stories for you today. Well, yeah. Mine's good. I don't know about yours. Mine all... Yeah, well, I think... I, I've never really... I'm going to give a spoiler now, but mine's a spree killer, and I've never really looked into them properly, right? But... Yeah. I think they're fucking weird. Everyone... No one talks about them. Everyone's like, oh, serial killers. But this... Dude killed, like, a lot of people in a very short amount of time. I think that's scary because it's like someone just loses the plot. Yeah. And and you'll see in a minute how ridiculous this one is. Mine's quite frustrating. Okay. Is it UK? Mm-hmm. Mine isn't. Yours is not? No. Oh, my God. Where is it? America? Um, obviously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who is first? I don't mind. You can go first if you want. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're going to give me attention, I'm not going to turn it down. Right, so. (laughs) I am doing the Heaven's Gate cult. Mad. Right, so, have you heard about them? Yeah, I think so. Well, not very much. I can't really remember. I can never distinguish between cults in my mind. They all just merge into one. Which probably isn't the well, point. <laughs> <laughs> there's loads of stuff about it that I didn't know. Like, I know the basics and stuff, but there's loads of really weird stuff that I also didn't know. Mm-hmm. So, the sources I used for it, there's a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell you what, I watched Bolesti. Oh, it's just called Heaven's Gate. That's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I watched Bolesti the other night, and I was like, I've refound myself. You watch what? Burlesque. Oh, I thought you said Burlested. Do you know what I'm doing? Absolute classic film. On Tuesday, I'm going to see Scouting for Girls, and I don't know what's more of a throwback than that. <laughs> yeah, true. Me when I was like <coughs> eight. Oh, you know what, as well? I'm really proud of myself the last two weeks because I've had so much shit to do. I've been getting up and going to the library, and the like. I've gotten in like by nine or before nine every day. And I haven't had a 9am lecture. I've just been doing that for for, for my own sake. I haven't been. <laughs> I, I'm, I was just surprised. This is the first time in my life. One of my housemates was like, I want that old Amy back. The one who gets up at 1pm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Maybe. god, I loved all the, re- the responses I was getting to my sticks of butter thing. <laughs> oh my, oh my god. Funny. That's a bit of a throwback. I've not really acknowledged it on here, but hilarious. Yeah, so it turns out funny. a stick of butter is like 113.5 grams. Why do you need that specific amount of butter? <laughs> why not, why not just use 100 grams? Yeah. Why is it? Why do you sell it in little sticks? It's weird. Just and like then how block. much like? And then how much flour goes with a stick of butter? But I was asking the girls from 
the murder diaries facebook they sent messaged me about it as well and they were like <laughs> it's literally like it's literally like a stick and i'm like yeah but why don't you just buy it in blocks and they were like blocks so i sent them a photo and they were like oh you can get that but you can only get it like in bulk buying from like costco a block of butter's not that big though <laughs> a stick of butter's like half the size what i found out what costco people was in the, the UK other day don't really use i would say people in the uk don't really use like butter though it's more of a margarine type of place. Yeah. I haven't used butter since. I don't use butter. I've never used butter. <laughs> I never have. And, like, even growing up, I never did. Yeah, we, we were always, like, yeah, like, the olive oil spread or, like, those kind of vibes. Weird. Yeah. So when we say butter, we don't mean butter, we mean margarine. Yeah. Like, love pack and shit. Well, that was the most British thing I've ever done. You're like Lurpak and shit. <laughs> Lurpak's like the elite level of butter, though. Well, Marjorie, Marge. I don't think so. I, well, I haven't it. eaten it in a long time. But I remember it being no, my fave. It, it's not very good. It wasn't very good. And it was never very good. It looks, it's too white. Yeah. Like, it's, like, really pale. It's, like, it's literally, like, white, and I'm, like, this feels wrong. Yeah. I think it's because it tastes a little bit more like <coughs> butter, butter, because it's, like, like slightly salted, you yeah, know? Yeah, because I don't like, that. I don't like butter. I like the, I can't believe it's not butter. But doesn't that taste like butter? Not as much as Lurpak does. Yeah. I don't remember what it tastes like. I literally have only used, like, sunflower oil, butter, or coconut oil, butter. <laughs> Not butter, but those vibes. Well, I can't believe it's not butter is the best. Do you remember Utterly Butterly? Is that the same thing? It's the same brand. Oh. Uh. I just read a brand. It doesn't <laughs> Anyone who's not from England listening to this is going to be like, <laughs> why are they talk- what the fuck are they talking about? What else was I going to say? Go register to vote. Go and register to vote, please. You have two days left. Shit, it's the 24th. Oh my god, I was panicking the other day that my postal vote didn't register. So I like called up Cornwall Council and you know how difficult it is to speak to Cornwall Council until I got put through to this guy on like (laughs) the most Cornish accent ever. And he was like, all right, what's your, what, literally like, what's your name then? And I was like, (laughs) Is this a joke? And then he found it, but they just haven't sent me my stuff out yet. But I was panicking because my polling card got sent home. Home. Like, Cornwall home. I've got two. I've got one sent here and one sent home. (laughs) Yeah, I'm voting down in Cornwall because up here, Labour wins every time anyway. In this constituency. They do here. I met met a Labour MP the other day. How cute. He's called Barry Sherman and he tipped me £20 at work. Oh, what a nice guy. My 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 killer tonight's like called Barry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Tonight, I say, at nine, 12 minutes past 9am. On, like, a £60 bill as well. So it wasn't even, like, really nice. more than 10%. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, just keep the change. And I was like, you've got my vote. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how they get everyone to vote for them. i tell you what I was thinking about afterwards, actually. You know when you, like have an experience with someone like when you meet someone and you have an experience with them and then you're like thinking about it later on and you're like mm. oh okay i see why he's a politician because i came away from that conversation that we had like oh yeah like, he's so nice and like i really like him and I'm yeah like, oh like, yeah 
In like a weird way though, not like in like a, oh they're alright, like I'd like to get to know them and then just such a like a, oh he's so nice and like he made me feel really nice and important when I was talking to him and I'm like, yeah. oh. That is a talent though to make someone feel like you value their time. Mm. I thought that as well. Everyone, everyone at uni, is, I'm starting to come out as my like argumentative sides coming out. Oh my god, yay! <laughs> but like, so we were talking the other day about the fifteen pound an hour thing from McDonald's. Oh my god, I was pissing myself at Twitter. And everyone was like, <laughs> everyone was like, well, doctors and nurses do the same thing and all this, and I'm like, but you can't really, you can't compare the two jobs. And they were like, well, why not? And I'm like, at the end of the day. Their funding are coming from two very completely different places. Yeah, people make themselves sound ridiculous because they're like, well, doctors and nurses only get paid this much. And I'm like, yeah, and you're still voting for a Tory government. If yeah. Who pays them that much? <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I was just like, you can't compare the two because it's completely different. And they were like, well, yeah, you can because it, why would people go and be nurses? Because... Right, listen to this argument we had. So she goes, why would people why would people be nurses if they can go to McDonald's and earn £15 an hour? And I was like, why are you here then? She was like, what do you mean? I'm like, you could earn the same money and be a restaurant manager now. And she was like, well, because I don't want to be a restaurant manager. I'm like, there you go. That's why people won't Because <laughs> not everyone wants to work at McDonald's. I was like, I'm sure people will do. And it will give people really good opportunities. Like, especially people who are maybe struggling and could get a job at McDonald's easier than a high paying job yeah. but like I was like not everyone's gonna do it I think people think that Jeremy Corbyn went up to McDonald's CEO and was like all right mate make sure you pay them 15 pound an hour I saw this tweet and it was like breaking news Jeremy Corbyn's closing down every hospital in the UK and putting in massive McDonald's <laughs> to pay all the employees 100 pounds an hour <laughs> it's so dumb just think about what you're saying, like, and oh my god, have you seen all the Labour Conservative manifesto stuff? <coughs> For people that don't live in the UK, this is going to be really boring, but like, this is like hot gossip here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, so the, the Tories set up a fake website for, that's like, the Labour manifesto. It's called labourmanifesto.com, when that's not their website, like, Yeah. they made that. And they basically published, like, a cut-down version of it. Yeah. yeah like, like, a propaganda version of it. And then they also have... They do, like, a live debate, and halfway through, the Tories changed one of their accounts on Twitter to Fact Check UK. So it was verified already, so people believed it. And then they started tweeting loads of, like, propaganda stuff. Yeah. About Labour... Which people go on Twitter and they read that stuff. Like, at the end of the day, people should be reading the manifestos themselves and making the decisions based mm-hmm. on that. But, but they don't. on Twitter to, like, check things. No, they don't. Yeah. And the Tories know that, and they've that's what they've done. And Have you seen... Which is really bad. I've seen some tweets recently, and it's been, like, people quote-tweeting it being, like, this is 100% not true, but I'm just so... I'm laughing so much at the, like, confidence they tweeted it with. So I saw someone tweeting about someone earning £81,000 a year and they were like I don't want them to I, get that, that, I retweeted that last it was night. like I don't want them to get taxed 45k of their salary and I was like huh no it's anything over 80,000 so they get taxed yeah, on 1,000 pounds yeah, not 81,000 pounds 
Yeah, I retweeted that. I'm like, oh my god, have you watched the thing, the TV show, and there's a guy saying, I am not in the top 5%, and how dare you, like, be raising taxes on me when I'm not in the top 5%. And he was like, we're not raising taxes on you if you're not in the top 5%, only the top 5% earn over 80k a year. And he was like, well, I earn over 80k a year, and I'm not in the top 5%. And the Labour guy was just like, um... Honey, you are in the top 5%. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to break it to you, but... (laughs) It makes me so mad because I did tax law last year as well. So like the, the way they do taxes is like really complicated, but it makes sense. Yeah. So like if you earn like eighty thousand and twenty pounds a year, you're gonna get taxed an extra forty-five. Forty-five. Is it forty-five? What? No, it's not. It's like twelve pound. No, it's not. It's eight pound. Yeah. So not... get tax another eight pound. I can't do maths. That's why I didn't do tax law. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a lot of people being like, I earn eighty thousand and fifty pounds, and I get taxed an extra six pounds seventy seven a year, or something. That's wrong. And I was like, great. It's forty five percent of whatever was over, so it would be like mm-hmm. twenty twenty quid. I can't. But still, an extra twenty pound that you. Oh, I think it was a month. I can't remember what it was, to be fair. Well, still, it's an extra £20 that the NHS can be funded better, kids can get free school meals, um, university students will get help with their loans. Like, just, come on. Fucking Let's give me a day. grant, please. <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn. No, I'm hoping that he just comes in and he's like, yeah, don't worry about paying us back. <laughs> no worries, guys. <laughs> We're in enough debt as it is. Keep it, keep it. I think, I just feel like people forget who I mean, made the NHS. Yeah. I mean, like, fucking, it wasn't Theresa May who set up the NHS, do you know what I mean? It was a Labour government. I actually, though, I feel bad for Theresa May. Yeah, same. She wasn't, she wasn't that bad. Well, Boris has come in and said, like, oh, yeah, I've made this massive deal. Actually, it's Theresa's May deal. Theresa May Which he deal. voted against. Lol! Which he, vo- <laughs> <laughs> he voted against, and then he's gone in and been like, oh, yeah, come can we just do this? He's like crossed her name off, wrote his name on the top. <laughs> now people will vote for it because I made it. Do you know what as well? We always have to fight with my mum that um, she thinks like, she always reverts back to being like, well, Tony Blair took us to war and he shouldn't have taken us into the Iraq war. And I'm like, honey, go look at Boris's voting history because he fucking backed him all the way. Like, he backed him all the way. Yeah, and uh, people are bringing up Jeremy Corbyn, like potential racist comments that he made before. Honey, no. I uh, I appreciate that, and it's awful and it's terrible. But Boris Johnson's done exactly the same thing. So what? Boris what Johnson point? says it now. <laughs> I think Jeremy <laughs> yeah, exactly. Corbyn. If you look, like he was it's campaigning for equal rights back in the fucking like day when we weren't born. He was like, yeah. Oh. Nah, I get too angry. I reckon I could go into politics. That's what I want to do. I feel like that is potentially where I want to go with with what I'm doing, but who knows? Oh my god, we can both move to London and then we can live together. Let's do it and just fix the world. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay, let's... Go, go! Always believe in yourself. Right, so I am... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So I am doing Heaven's Gate. And, yeah, let's go. Right, so 
On March 26, 1997, in San Diego Mansion, news broke that 39 young men were found in identical uniforms, identical haircuts, same Nike trainers, and a roll of, like, quarters in their pockets. All dead. Mm. So, when looking into it more, it was found that actually it wasn't 39 young men, it was 39 young men and women, and they all just looked like men with their haircuts and everything. People just assumed straight away. Yeah. So, I'll tell you how we got there. It's like three weeks earlier. <laughs> so, well, try. Mm, why haven't I written the years in this? <laughs> I, I hate when they do that. Uh, 20 years, about 20 years earlier. 25 Fucking years. hell. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, so. Marshall <laughs> Applewhite, who was the leader of the Heaven's Gate cult, told his followers there was a UFO in the tale of the Halibob Comet. Um, which orbits the Earth every 2,000 years, and it was coming over America that year. That's the year I was born. Oh. I'm from the UFO. <laughs> so, this was a sign to catch the flying saucer, which would take them into eternity, or like the next level, they called it. And in order to catch it, the members had to commit suicide with a combination of alcohol, suffocation, and formaldehyde. Why? Phenobarbital. I just, oh, every time I hear about a cult, I just think, who, why the fuck would you believe that? But people do I'm every time. This. Yeah. So I also watched a documentary on YouTube about it, <clears throat> and they interview people who didn't kill themselves that day. Yeah. yeah. And, like, they're literally talking about how they, like, regret it so much, and how they wish they had, but they didn't, they didn't do the timing right or whatever. Yeah, it's a really weird. They literally think they would be on a UFO. If they yeah. killed themselves that and he day. Was like, this guy was like, oh, well, I'll just stay here and have to, like, spread the message. Yeah. Jesus. So, Heaven's Gate started out as a Christian sect. So, <laughs> Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Lou Nettles. So, he called himself Marshall and she called herself Nettles, like, until more nicknames come along and I'll use them. Okay, so... Okay. They convinced themselves and followers that they were gods and adversaries here on earth to offer salvation to humans. Okay. So they they started off offering salvation to anyone who could, like, overcome the attachment to sex, money, and drugs. Okay. So they met in Houston, and the, in this documentary was Nettle's daughter. <laughs> so she had a daughter with someone else. Um, 14 at the time, and her, like... She remembers like being fourteen and her and her mum looking up at the sky and like looking for flying saucers and wishing they'd like take them away. Yeah. So Marshall's sixteen year marriage ended and his teaching career ended when he was accused of sexual relationships with a male student. Um and then he met Nettles in nineteen seventy two when he was teaching music and drama. She was doing um astrological charts for the mothers of like the group like the group mm. of kids he was teaching um, and that's how they met and her daughter says like she remembers her coming home and saying that there was something about his chart like that there was something there and there's something about his astrological chart that um, she like liked about it I don't get what astrological charts are I mean I do but it's very complicated I mean don't please don't explain it but <laughs> I remember when they were like looking for Ted Bundy as well. They were using 
an astrological chart to track when he was next going to take a victim. Do you remember that part of the book? I, I don't know how I feel about that one. Like, it's so weird. The thing is, it worked, though. Yeah. I mean, they still didn't catch it. They don't him. always work. Yeah. But they're usually quite spot on. Anyway, weird. Right, so... From the start, the relationship was spiritual and they didn't have sex. And Nettles and Marshall <laughs> went looking for followers, like, uh, where they, like, spouted the Bible and people basically followed them where they went. Okay. So... In, on New Year's Day in 1973, they went on a spiritual road trip. <laughs> they went on a spiritual road trip. Nettles left all of her children behind with their dad. Just left oh. one day and just didn't come back. And then in July, on July 26, 1973, Nettles wrote to her daughter, who was called Terry, saying that they now know what their mission is and they have to reveal the scriptures and, like, they were, like, the best people for it and the only people that could do this job and all of this they ran into like financial difficulties and stuff while they're on the road marshall was arrested and had a six-month jail sentence in between all of this while nettles like carried it on <laughs> so um they contacted this guy who was a ufo specialist called hayden hughes um to help show that people can come back like Jesus did. To help show that. Yeah. Oh. So, I imagine I being like, comes... oh, we'll just hire a UFO specialist. He was just like, um, okay, and like by like by the sounds of it in this documentary, he was just like a bit. Uh, he was like, I don't. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I, I don't know okay, them. Okay. I'm distancing myself. <laughs> They're just like, look, we want you to prove that people can come back like Jesus. And he's like, yeah, just just wait one minute. Like, he runs <laughs> out the door and never comes back. <laughs> so, um, this at this point, the group was called the Human Individual Metamorphosis Group. Okay, bit of a mouthful. Yeah. I see why they changed it. So, <laughs> they were saying that they were the two from the Bible who were they like, explaining... And went to heaven. And like they were coming back to like tell everyone about it. I don't know the Bible. I'm not a Christian. So if I mean you know anything about the tomb, what? Let me know. But I don't. Yeah. So Applewhite convinced the people, like convinced people in the group that he could communicate via telekinesis. Um, and he said <laughs> to Mr. Hughes, this he said to this UFO guy, right? This is actually really scary. Okay, so... He said um, that, so he said that if he needed to get in touch with him again, so if Hughes needed to get in touch with Marshall again, he had to use a secret code, which was to mentally pray for him, and he would know, and he'd ring them. He'd ring him. Okay. So after this, there was widespread news about people, like, disappearing after a UFO meeting, and, like, basically they are going off with the group. Mm. Mr. Hughes then used the code, which was to mentally pray for them, okay? The next day, he got a telephone call from him saying he'd asked for him. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, that is weird. And that's why people believed all the shit he was saying, because it's stuff like this. Have you you ever watched that 
Louis Theroux documentary where he goes out to see the people who like think aliens exist. No. And there's one there's one dude, this he reminds me of him. There's one dude that's like says that he had sex with an alien and created all of these alien babies. He was like, I lost my virginity to an alien. And then there's one there's also another guy who thinks he can communicate and like channel this one alien through him. It's so weird. It's a good watch yeah, though. Have you seen the the guy that is in like American American I don't know. It's not Parliament, but it's like an American speaker thing. And he basically says that like he he worked for Area Fifty One, and he's like aware of four different alien species that we're aware of, like to a room full of high ups. What? Yeah, I'll find it and I'll send you to it. I believe in aliens. Maybe not like the whole aliens as we think of them, but there's yeah. got to be something well, else. Yeah, there, there must be. But he was talking about how there's, he's aware of four different alien species, and there's, there's one of them working for the government, or working with the government. You need to look at it. It's weird. Okay, so, so obviously, like he picked up the phone and he said, N- "You've n- you've now asked for me." Like that's what he said when this when he picked up the phone. Mm. Weird. Yeah. So this this movement att- attracted the veterans of like the hippie movement and also a lot of spiritual people. Um, so. In order to help business, they sold blood to blood banks. Right, I didn't know that blood banks pay you for it. Neither. In the UK, it's like a nice donation. You get a fucking badge. (laughs) Nope. I suppose it's like selling your, like... If you sell your eggs or men sell their sperm, you get paid. Yeah, but blood, just... Just give it to people. You don't need it. So, <laughs> you don't need all of it. So, um, they also asked for Christian book donations and wealthy members of the club, of the group. I say club, the group. <laughs> Youth club. <laughs> um, donated their trust funds. <gasps> of course they had trust funds. So... Early member, an early member of the group was called David Moore, and her, his mother was Nancy Brown, and she was in this documentary, and she basically like kicked off when he disappeared and didn't talk to her and stuff anymore, like any mother would. So, um, he went to say goodbye, and um, when he went to say goodbye to her, she said she was like checking him to see if he was high, because he was like, I'm off to go join this group. <laughs> and all this and she was like are you high so he was very <laughs> interested that he was like very calm and said like he was just very like sure of himself which he wasn't which wasn't like him at all before apparently so mm. she comes back into it later on they hated reporters and um they believed asked them annoying questions about marshall's past and the cult's financial status so in 1976, they went underground, living in campgrounds um, in good energy states, such as Colorado, California, and Arizona. Why is it always in those three states? <laughs> Honestly. Like good energy states. So... Where all of the serial killers have been previously. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they isolated themselves. Uh, there were 60 to 70 people in the group when they had no outside contact. Okay. 
So they focused on their change heavily and like the change they were going to go through. Um, and they believed their exit was like imminent. Like they were going to leave any day mm. to go in this UFO. So they were ready every day to yeah. kill themselves. Yeah, literally. And they were saying like they wouldn't oh. go and buy like toothpaste because they were like, oh, well, we're going to run out. We're going to go soon anyway. And then it'd be like a month down the line and they'd be like, oh, we'll just buy it because we're not going anywhere. Yeah. Okay. So this is Fuck. obviously before the Hollybob Comet as well. This is 1976. Yeah. So they struggled to be angel-like and denounce sexuality and individuality. Uh, Marshall had been promiscuous early on, and it, so he was struggling. Um, so he tried to be like very strict on group members because he was struggling. So he was like, mm. right, well, if I'm not doing it, you none of you are doing it. Okay. Yeah. So Nancy Brown, David Moore's mum. Mm-hmm. started publishing a newsletter for all the families of the individuals who had got, who had left about the cult okay so one member of the cult had gone to visit his family and had either like taken the newsletter or told Marshall about it um so and then the, all the group were like really freaked out by this because obviously like they were gonna be found out basically yeah. So Marshall started talking to her. She's an agent of the lower forces and stuff like that. So she's a demon, basically. So, so former cult members, like, say now, like, now looking back on it, it's quite funny, but, like, at the time it was, like, really serious and Marshall had a way of making people feel like they were being watched or, like, people were always out to get them. Like, the group was constantly paranoid. Yeah. Um, they thought that the newsletter would incite parents to come after their children. So they basically said, we can come and visit you as long as, like, nothing... You're not going to try anything. You're not going to... So then... Nancy Brown was contacted by her son through messages left on her answering machine, uh, which said... Hang on. She had to publish a newsletter saying with the names of the parents who promise not to, like, kidnap their children from the group or keep them from doing what they're doing. Mm. Um, then, like, he promised that parents would be able to hear from their children and, like, mm. assure them there's nothing to worry about because there was nothing to worry about. They were all fine. But only those that wasn't going to try and stop them doing what they're doing. So, in the early 80s, Crux began to, like, form in the group now it was called Heaven's Gate. Members were confused and like quit. They didn't know what was going on anymore. Mm. Um, in her letters to her daughter, uh, Nettles began to show doubt. So, like in H two, there's a letter that she gave the impression that she wanted out. So, um, before when she was like outside looking for UFOs of her and stuff and being like, you can do whatever you want to do and stuff. Mm. Like this letter literally said, be sure to conform to society and follow all the rules. Fuck. Yeah. So then in 84, Bonnie was diagnosed with brain cancer. Bonnie is Nettles, sorry, by the way. Mm. Bonnie was diagnosed with brain cancer and she was admitted to hospital under an assumed name where Marshall left her on her own to die. Um, And she died on her own in her home state of Texas. So like <sighs> her kids were down the road. Oh, no. And he didn't tell them. And he didn't tell... Um, Marshall didn't tell the children about it until months after she died. And she got, like, a letter. And she was literally only a few hours away. So, 
Marshall continued the the cult without her. Um, so they basically part of the group was part of the group was that um, they did they couldn't die because they were going to ascend to the next level and all of this and they weren't going to die they were going to go with their body as well and like the whole body was going to go up they don't have to die the whole point was you don't have to die to go to the next level like your whole body can just go yeah so <clears throat> when she died everyone was like uh what the fuck was going on you said we couldn't die and like mm. how can a messenger of god die and their body remain on earth and stuff yeah so um he then revised what he was saying <laughs> I'm like, how am I going to like fit this in? He was like, oh, and I didn't mean that. that. <laughs> he said, you can have a physical transition, but you can also have a spiritual one, and suicide is the way to do that. Um, so, to ensure that he was like the leader, he put more rules in place, and like everyone was like following him. He put he measured out their food external restrictions when people were like people were going to work still from the cult um but like they were not allowed to interact with anyone they had to go to work come back um and they had to become focused on their like transition and stuff mm-hmm. so they would refer to the outer world as being out of craft and if you were at home you were in craft like an air like an oh air my air god air. that's so weird yeah. Yeah, I thought that. I was like, that's really weird. So mm. they were like, basically as if they're in a spacecraft. Um, yeah. He questioned the obedience of the group and he um, distanced himself from the group, from like the group of men to avoid his homosexual urges, as he as it was phrased by his <laughs> ex-cult members. Um, and he asked all the men to join him in castration. Ew. So, he asked them how far they would go to, like, reach the mission. Um, He was going to get rid of the human need to reproduce. Six other men and Marshall flew to Mexico City to undergo the castration procedure. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. So, in the early 90s, that's when the internet obviously started picking up, he made a website called A Higher Source and a company under the same name. They were earning nearly £400,000 a year. Sorry, dollars, same thing, whatever. Um, They used this to recruit new members and took out a full page of adverts in the USA Today and other websites, and other newspapers, sorry. How expensive that would be. Yeah. He got instructions from above, apparently, to find the second wave of, of people. Um, everything was like a warning of what was to come so cult members like say that the forest fires of the time were looked at as the end times being near and stuff like that Um, so in March 1997 the Halibob Comet was entering orbit for the first time in 2000 years so he prophesied that there was a UFO in the tail of the comet and it was the signal they were looking for and the spacecraft was coming to take them home to the heavens, luck, or to the next level. Home. So, yeah. Freaky. So, the Higher Source website posted a cryptic message online about the end times. And that's, like, that video message that, like, you all know about. Like, everyone's seen. Mm. Like, if you search up, it literally comes up. And it's really, it's just, 
it feels like a movie it's really weird so they sent messages uh, to like video tapes through FedEx to close friends saying their mission was about to end um, they all like did like a goodbye message to all their families basically yeah saying that we came from distant space what some might call another dimension and we're about to return from whence we came um, imagine if you were their family and you received that yeah Fuck. and it's literally like a goodbye message so on the 26th 39 bodies were found in santa fe california um as saying that they were exiting their vehicles like there were notes saying that they exited their vehicles no. um ex-cult members remember being like really happy for them and wishing they could go too yeah um terry got terry uh nettle's daughter got a call from a friend at work and broke down like saying that like she knew that this wasn't part of the original plan and um he had died with all the questions that she had about her mum. Yeah. Um, Nancy Brown left all of her, like, phone numbers and stuff the same in case her son ever wanted to come home. So, and she found out, like, through the news what had happened. Fuck. Um, six weeks later, there's a guy, and this is the guy that was, like, saying that he wished he could have done it. So, he another member tried to take his life, but the police had saved him. Um, and he says, said on the documentary, hang on, I read it quick, Jen, I wish that, I wish that I was with them. It's not a regret that he missed his, it's, it's like a regret that he missed his chance. It's more about not doing his homework properly. Yeah. What? So, I'm saying that he can't do, while he's here on earth, he can't do anything but share what he knows about the next level. Um, <sighs> So then there was, they did like a little, little interviews with other people. So there was a guy called Michael, uh, Nonyas, and he was a member for 13 years and he was saying that like, he was just like in awe and in fear of Marshall all the time. <clears throat> and, um, there was a guy called Hank Haingraff who examines cult, uh, and like religious leaders, leaders, and he described him as a spiritual con man at work. It's yeah. so fucked up that they like prey on the most like vulnerable people. Like, yeah, it's what do they get out of it? I have no idea. Do they believe it themselves? Like, well, he must have done. Do you think though? Because he changed it like so many times. Yeah, but you can't not believe it. Like, it's one of those things where maybe he didn't believe it at first, but it's one of those things where, like, if you say it to yourself enough times, you'll end up believing it. Yeah. Like, you can't not believe it. He went and got castrated. Ugh. Like, you just don't, you don't just do that. But people do do weird shit. Like, if he's going to start a cult, like, how far would he go? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, then they asked them, like, what was the law of the group? Like, what drew you to it? And he said that the guys were saying that it's not, um, it's not just a group, like, it's more about the promise of a higher level and people wanted to to go somewhere. It's basically like a religious thing. Like, they played, yeah. they played on, well, he played on vulnerable people, people that were drug addicts, recovering drug, drug addicts, a lot of them were. Mm. A lot of people didn't have places to go. They want like, that sense of... Of, there's, there's a reason to this. Yeah. Fucking hell. 
crazy. So yeah, that's the Heaven's, Day, Heaven's Gate cult. Crazy. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it makes me angry. I want to watch that video. I don't think I've seen that video. You need to watch it. It's like an hour long. It's like a documentary. It's not just a video. No, the video... Oh, wait, I think the... The um, one they sent around. The, like, one they FedExed. Whatever you call it. Yeah, I'll send you the link. Okay. Oh. Should I do mine? Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So, I'm doing the frustrating story of Barry Williams, who was born in 1944 and lived with his parents for most of his life. Okay. That was a sly dig at him. <laughs> it's just funny that his name's Barry. Because he sounds so like a nice guy. I know so many nice guys called Barry. Do you know what I mean? So, there's not really much about him when he was a kid. Other than he lived with his parents for his whole life. And he didn't get married before the in this incident took place. But um, he was an unmarried foundry worker. And he lived at 14 Andrew Road um, in West Bromwich in the West Midlands. And he lived with his elderly parents, Hilda and Horace. How adorable is that? Oh my God, they're the cutest names I've ever heard in my and life. I want two fish and I want to call them that. Yeah, and together they ran a metal polishing business in Birmingham for their whole lives. Yeah, really cute. Okay, so Williams held a valid firearms license, allowing him to possess one semi-automatic weapon, which he used to use at like a local sports shooting range. So an approved gun club technically, mm -hmm. back in, like, the 60s and 70s. So, um, his erratic behaviour, including shooting at dummies that he dressed up in wigs and modifying his bullets to make them more dangerous, led to people in the club reporting him, like, what the fuck is this dude doing? And Obviously, then they, yeah. they, they expelled him, so he wasn't allowed to come there to shoot. Um... At one club in Telford, Shropshire, his nickname was The Cowboy. And then after he got expelled from that club, he joined another one where um, members expressed concern that he might be stealing bullets. Which you're not meant to do. You're only allowed to yeah. use that gun at that range. Because obviously in England, yeah. our gun laws are like nothing like America. Proper ones. <laughs> yeah. So, um... He always had issues getting along with people, and during the mid-1970s, he was involved in a number of disputes with his neighbours, the Burkitt family, who lived on 16 Andrew Road. He used to say that the noise of their TV and the record player disturbed him and his parents, and this became an obsession for him. So, basically, I think he was schizophrenic, which I'll talk about later in this, because he gets, you know, diagnosed but he became obsessed with the delusion that his neighbours were mocking him. And on one occasion during a fight um, about the noise, um, he went over there and he threatened them with death, saying, quote, I'm going to exterminate you. What? I know. Why use that word? I know, it's so weird. It's so regimented, exterminate. It just reminds me of, like, yeah. Daleks or, like... It's like a, I'm better than you. I'm... Yeah, like, 
you exterminate rats do you know what i mean like you get a you get like a rat exterminator in or something so this is the actual main incident i keep calling it an incident because i don't know what else to call it like the main but their story afterwards yeah Okay. So on the evening of the 26th of October in 1978, a week after this threat, um, George Burkett and his 20-year-old son Philip were working on his um, Spitfire car in the front of their house, which was like their prized possession, basically. Like, you know how people are obsessed with nice cars. So um, around 7pm, annoyed by the noise they were making, Williams came over and shot them both instantly with a 9mm Smith & Wesson semi-automatic pistol. George died where he fell, but Philip was wounded and ran into the house. So that's the 20-year-old. Williams then followed him, shooting him again and killing him. He then shot um, George's wife, Iris, and their 17-year-old daughter was hit four times in the back and once in the thigh, but she survived. So literally within like minutes of Badass. him going over there. Yeah. She so, is not his. Yeah, no. <laughs> <clears throat> there were uh, there were also two other neighbours who were a married couple who'd witnessed the attack on the Burkitts and they were um he shot both of them, but they survived and they were treated at Birmingham General Hospital. Um he destroyed discharged a total of 23 rounds and then fled the scene by car firing another six shots from a second 22 caliber pistol so where's he getting all these guns from no I, I don't know i think he's stealing them um hold on so he drove down stanhurst way shooting at two boys who were aged 10 and 11 who were playing football and a woman, but he missed all of them, luckily. Okay. He, um, passing through another nearby town, he shot through the window of a barber shop and two different houses. Um, one of these had a nine-year-old girl inside who was only hurt by, like, a piece of shattered window that broke off and hit her. But luckily, like, nothing, didn't, didn't get shot. Um okay. He stopped at a petrol station and drove away without paying, and then he um, he pulled up to Stafford Crown Court building at about 8.10pm, where he shot and killed another married couple, Michael and Lisa DeMaria. De, 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 De De DeMaria. De I don't know how to say their name, I'm really sorry. He was he killed them because they owned the petrol station that he stopped at and just like filled up and ran, well drove off. But they were like, dude, what the fuck? Um. So Lisa died immediately, but Michael died later in hospital. And um, after this, Williams like pulled over on the side of the road, ran into some woodland, and slept there for the night. He was then arrested the next morning. Um. When the police arrested him, he pulled out a gun and and attempted to hijack one of the police cars which had been following him. But he was overpowered um, by unarmed officers who had been pursuing him. Unarmed officers. Because in the UK, police officers aren't armed. Yeah. So you have to go after some dude who's just shot, like, 
a fuck ton of people. What the hell, man? Yeah. So. Not all the time, by the way. There are armed police officers, but you can yeah. request them. Yeah, so and like, they're only for like. Just go to a scene first, and then they say, "Oh, we need armed armed police," yeah. and then the armed police go. They like lock their guns out of like these big like unlocker things. Yeah. Because they're like, not allowed to have, carry them. We only have like armed police around if like there's something really serious going on. Like, yeah. I remember coming into a train station once, and there was armed police on the platform. And then you're like, "What the actual fuck is going on? Something yeah. bad's gonna happen." Yeah. And if you like, see armed police in a, in England, you're like terrified. <laughs> But like they don't, ju- they're not just police with a with a gun. They're like yeah. they literally look specially like trained. Like, yeah. Yeah, they've got like helmets and everything on. And like Sorry, fucking. I just wanted to interject that like we do have armed police, but yeah, you've got to request it. So obviously mm-hmm. at this point, they got there and he tried to overpower. He tried to like like take the car and they had no choice. Yeah. Basically. When, later, when he was in custody, he said that he'd wished the police were armed because he wanted them to shoot him. Oh, that's not a good sign. No. So, on him, police found 147 9mm and 770 22mm rounds in his car, along with another 22 caliber pistol, which had a full magazine, and several homemade bombs. What? Yeah. So he was charged with... That's the scariest thing to me that anyone could do. Make a bomb, yeah. A homemade bomb. Like... Because I feel like bombing is so, like, not... you're. It feels like you're like... not doing it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, like, insane because you literally have a bomb in your house. Yeah. Like, it... imagine the level of narcissism that's needed to build a bomb and be like, yeah, I'm, I know this isn't going to go off in my house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I couldn't sit down and build a bomb because I'd be like, this is literally going to go off yeah. in the wrong place. Yeah. Or it's going to kill me or something like that. But imagine being so, like... Yeah. You know I what get I mean? what you I mean. the word for it, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not narcissistic, but, like, uh, not overconfident, but, like, so, like, fucking... Sure of yourself. Yeah. You've got to be a psychopath to do that. Yeah. This okay. That's what I mean. So he was charged with five counts of murder, two counts of attempted murder. Um, so he pleaded not guilty and instead pleaded guilty to manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility. And um, the prosecution diminished accepted res- this plea. They accepted it? After psychiatrists gave evidence that he had an active, pa- he was an active paranoid schizophrenic. In a state of psychosis. So he was in def- he was ordered to be detained indefinitely. Um oh, a hospital. Yeah. By a trial judge and he was held in Broadmoor Hospital and Ooh, then all the crazies go there. Yeah. <laughs> Broadmoor's like Peter Sutcliffe went there. Yeah. And then he got moved to Ashworth Hospital. This little bit ended with a quote in the newspaper article. By the way, this is from, like, The Telegraph, and um, this after the trial, his parents described him as a quiet boy and they had no idea what he was prepared to do. How old is he? Uh, I think you said at the start. 44 he was born, and this was 78, so old. <laughs> old. Not a kid. 30... 34. 
Should have known better, basically. But he was a quiet boy when he was 34. Your child is a man. You know um, how crazy, you know? You know that, like... Have you watched Joker? No, I really want to, though. Oh, my God. Okay. I won't I won't say anything then. No, I know what happens. Gary's told me. Okay, so... <laughs> okay, then. No, 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 I'm not going to explain it. I'm just going to move on with my story. Well, not story, oh, my, right. okay. my, my, my murder. <laughs> so, Williams, who had schizophrenia and had killed five people and attempted to kill two others, shot through many houses, all of this shit, was released from hospital in 1994 once doctors and a mental health tribunal decided he was no longer a risk to the public. This was on condition that he could be detained again. So, 78. So, 15? 15 years. How many people did he kill? Five. Three for each of them. Come on. Come on. I know. Do better. Yeah, this was under the conditions that he could be detained again if his behaviour returned. Oh, that's alright then. Yeah. Um, That's a joke, by the way. They started calling him Harry Street at this point. He was, like, nicknamed it. But um, Mm. a spokesperson for the NHS said, Harry Street was released on a conditional discharge subject to specific conditions in 1993 by a mental health tribunal, an independent judicial body, after careful consideration of the medical evidence presented to them. So, yeah, he formally changed his name to Harry Street after he was released and he was allowed to live in a bail hostel um, six miles away from Andrew Road where he lived initially, where he killed all of these people. Okay. Um, Where am I at? So, he subsequently moved to Wales where in 1996 he married and had a kid. What? The family then moved to Hazelville Road in Birmingham, 2005, which wasn't that far away from where it initially happened. So this is like 11 years after they moved to Bur- back to Birmingham. And then in October 2013, allegations arose, arose that he had started a harassment campaign against his next-door neighbours. Oh, dear. You better move out of that house real quick. Yeah. So um, they reported him to the police and his house was searched by West Midlands Police as part of their investigation and he was found in possession of an improvised bomb, 50 homemade bullets, a revolver and two pistols. What? The bomb squad was called um, in order to, like, make the explosive safe. And um, there's a Channel 5 documentary series called Nightmare Next Door Neighbour, where he features on it. I want to explain it better, because basically the UK has this programme called Nightmare Neighbours, and it's on, like, daytime TV, and it's fucking funny. Usually it's because they, like, chuck something over their fence, and they were, like, I don't know, doing something weird. But he featured on the show... Because he had, when? like, fucking bombs and shit in his house. But, like, <laughs> I want to watch that episode. Like, that would have been I crazy. Know, on YouTube. Oh, so. oh, it comes out. It comes up as a search. It's on. It's on YouTube. It's on Is it? 
think so. So, or at Birmingham Crown Court on in October 2014, he did plead guilty to three charges of possession of a prohibited firearm, um, and he was then detained again indefinitely. It's season four, episode five. Sick. If was interested. Nightmare next door neighbor, season four, episode five. <laughs> Okay, sorry, carry on. <laughs> so yeah, he was again detained indefinitely under the under sections 37 and 41 of the Mental Health Act 18, uh, 1983, who said, from his judge, who said, um, the effect of these orders is that the defendant may never be released. Yeah, good. Fine. So it only took you a couple of years to figure it out. Basically, the police were like, it's because there's no trace of a Harry Street on any of the police systems. Because they didn't have record that he changed his name. Oh, dear. So they just, like, allowed him to move back into the area, had no idea. And when they were looking at the, like, harassment escalating from the next-door neighbours, they had no idea what happened with the ones back in... um. Yeah, because it wasn't coming up, because his name was Barry back then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. So... I mean, it could have been more imaginative with the name change. Yeah. Like, it sounds, it sounds the same. I know. But they only found it out because they went, did, tried to do extensive background checks and couldn't find anything. Went to see his GP and then they found out that his true identity was Barry Williams. Oh, and they were like, oh shit. Oh fuck, <laughs> he shot all of his neighbours actually. Yeah. Um, so he, Barry slash Harry, um, died in December 2014 from a suspected heart attack whilst in hospital. Well, detained. God. Yeah. Karma. Well, not really. He got off pretty lightly. Yeah. His whole life. He got off very lightly. Yeah. Mad though. The hell, man. Why haven't I heard of that? 2013. It's not long ago. I know. Well, it actually happened in 78. But he was prepared to do it again in 2013. He was just waiting for the right time. It's mm-hmm. less of a spree killer, I feel like, if they're gonna do it again do you know what i mean i feel like the first time was a spree killer and he was like well the, i didn't actually i got away with it it wasn't that bad yeah just tell them i was crazy again he was like it was quite fun so i'll just do it again surely yeah. his wife and kid were like why the fuck are you building a bomb dad see you don't always know what other people are up to though do you yeah true true like, even if you live with them yeah it's gotta be i know but yeah, shall we? <laughs> shall we uh... Probably end it now. It's been eighty-one minutes of recording. Uh... I'm gonna have fun <laughs> editing this today. <laughs> Sunday afternoon. Don't make me sound bad. <laughs> Don't make you sound bad. Yeah, not very many nice things have happened to me over the last few weeks. No. Been a rather I stressful time. Proposal. You handed it in. Oh yeah. yeah. Yay. Yeah. I've I've had I've written probably like eight thousand words in the last three days for various Tell essays. Me Tell me about it. Yeah. I've At this point I'm like due. I'm like, my dissertation can't be that bad. I've already written it in about three days. <laughs> How long's your dissertation? I'm I'm gonna do I'm not doing a research project, so I think mine will be like ten to twenty thousand words. Alright, mine's twenty thousand as well. Yeah. We can just cry together, it'll be fun. Yeah. But yeah, sorry we've been gone for three weeks. 
Yeah, it's been very stressful for us. We'll fill you in, I'm sure. Yeah. At some point. We'll but... remember all the dumb stuff we've done over the last three weeks and fill you in in further episodes. Yeah. So yeah, go register to vote. Yeah, if you're from the Inc. <laughs> if, if you're from, from the what? England. <laughs> <laughs> if you're from the Inc. I was going to say UK and then England came out. But you didn't, you abbreviated it to Ing. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> if you're from the Ing. <laughs> uh, okay, right, well. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so lunchtime. Can... Well, it's only actually like 11. Oh, it's, t- it's 20 past 10. I might go have some mushrooms. Oh, I fucking love mushrooms. I always buy them from co-op and eat them raw in the library and everyone thinks it's so uh, weird. Yeah, I can't do them raw, that's weird. It's delicious. <laughs> mm, it's like eating an apple. It's okay, good. bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye. We'll start posting again regularly on Instagram. I'm going to do it. Yeah, sorry. Because, sorry. yeah. It's not. It's actually not that hard to post on Instagram, but apparently in my head it is. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. We'll sort out the podcast in our own time. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. Go follow us. Go subscribe to us on YouTube because when we reach 100 subscribers, we're on 37 at the minute, when we reach 100 subscribers, we'll do a trip to the True Crime Museum. Yeah. Also, we may have some tings coming soon once we get the hang of doing an actual podcast. Yeah. More regularly. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. But we'll start some merch and stuff. Stay tuned. Keep it. We'll keep it coming. Yeah. I I, I always want to pull a peace sign at the end, like, bye guys. But like, no <laughs> one can yeah. see. Maybe one day we'll film it. We'll do it on our blog. On our vlog, sorry. When we, yeah. um... Go to the museum. Yeah. Hashtag day in the life. Okay, right, I need to go. <laughs> okay. Goodbye, everybody. Okay. Love you all. Yeah, peace out. Bye. Bye.